How many love birthdays? You love birthdays? Yeah, everybody gets excited when there's a birthday. We all love birthdays, and I know that, you know, I mean, a congregation this size, you know, my granddaughter is always invited to somebody's birthday, somebody's turning five or six or ten or whatever. And so birthdays are, are just a, a way of life, and we celebrate, and we especially love getting the gifts. And every time we, we get an invitation, we make sure we were there, to celebrate uh, that person's birthday, have a great time. Well, in saying that, we are going to have a birthday party here at New Harvest, and that's going to be on December the 25th. And guess whose birthday, traditionally, we're going to be celebrating? We're going to be celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's going to be on Sunday at 11 a.m. And so we're going to be here Christmas Day and celebrating, giving God thanks, uh, because if it wasn't for his birth, we wouldn't have our second birth uh, being born again. Amen. And so we want to come out and welcome and invite our friends to come out on Christmas morning, 11 o'clock. We'll be changing the time, pushing it back an hour. That way everybody can have time from their, their uh, gift opening on, if it's on Sunday, uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning early, whatever the case might be, we'll be here at 11 o'clock, and we'll have a communion service uh, acknowledging, you know, just uh, the love of Jesus Christ in our life, and uh, just a, some, some worship songs, and it's going to be a wonderful birthday party that we're going to be having. Who knows, we may even have some cake or something to celebrate uh, uh, our, our Lord's birthday. So we'll find out, but it, well, at any rate, we will be here December the 25th. Hallelujah. Someone, uh, was, we were kind of going back and forth getting that date ready because it, it only falls, I think, every six or seven years, uh, December 25th on a, a Sunday. And so as we're preparing to get ready uh, for uh, that birthday celebration, I was asked, well, do you think we're going to be the only ones who are going to be here? And I said, why? It's Christmas, Jesus' birthday. It's Sunday. We come to church on Sunday. Why wouldn't anybody want to come on a Sunday? And so uh, we just went ahead and moved on and got our, our preparation. So you're all invited. Jesus invites you to come to his birthday party here at New Harvest. Praise God. Those of you watching online, come on. I know you have birthday parties. You come on out and celebrate with us. This morning, turn your Bibles over to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. And as um, we are coming out of a Thanksgiving, beautiful, wonderful weekend with family and friends and spending time together, we celebrated and we had a great um, Thanksgiving Eve service on Tuesday and some great testimonies of, of those who were thankful of what God has done in their life and uh, so much to be thankful simply because God is good. How many can say amen? God is good to you and I. God is good to, to us as the people of God and you know I like the song God is good all the time. Not some of the time but God is good all of the time. And scripture throughout the word of God 
speaks to us about God is good and uh, the different aspects of God's goodness in our life. And Paul writes to the church uh, at Rome in chapter number 8 and in verse 28, he writes these words. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know, not think, but we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God this morning? Do you really love the Lord this morning? Okay, it says, and then we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Uh, and this morning we are here in the purpose of God for our lives, and we know that whatever goes on in our life, God has the best plan for us. How many can say amen this morning? And you know, even though we read this scripture and we are familiar with this scripture, when we read it in times when we may be going through some kind of turmoil or some kind of distress or possibly something that may not be going our way, the enemy wants to come and lie to us and bring us to that point where we ask the question, how can this be good for me? How many have ever been there? Let's be honest this morning. We're in church, and we've all been at that place that we come to a point where sometimes the things we're going through are just tough, or they're not, they're not joyful, and, and, you know, things just aren't going the way we thought they were going to be going, and we wonder, how can this be good for me? And we start to question the goodness of God. I read a quote that says, if you don't think that every day is a good day, just try missing one. You'll, it'll come to you later on. You see, when circumstances which we feel are unfair and things seem to be going the wrong way or against what we feel we want or need, those things can cause you and I to lose sight of the fact that we serve a good God. That whatever takes place in our life, that God has a purpose for that. And that through his word, we read that God is good and uh, there is no evil in him and there is nothing that is the opposite uh, of good in his life, in his character. And it's during these times when we are going through those things in our life that the enemy wants to plunge us into despair and uh, bring us to a place where we're confused about what is happening. We see that in the book of Genesis in chapter 3 and the first seven verses and just a brief synopsis of what that's all about. It's the story and the picture of Eve in, in, in the garden and the serpent comes to her representing Satan and uh, begins to question God's goodness uh, in her and Adam's life and concerning uh, what God wants them to partake of and not partake of. And he implied that God didn't want them to eat of the tree of good and evil, 
because he didn't want them to, 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 to miss, miss out on the good things that God has and for them and to be like God. He was holding back the best from Adam and Eve. And this was the lie of the enemy. And this is the lie that sometimes the devil uses against us. Listen to verse 5. It says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so the enemy was implying that what God was doing, keeping them from knowing good things and knowing uh, what, is, what is the best. But the opposite happened, and we know that. That Adam and Eve lost sight of what truly is good. That God blessed them there in the garden and provided for them everything that they needed. But the enemy came and lied to them, and they fell for the lie of the enemy. And they allowed Satan to lie and to bring doubt into their life concerning the word of God and concerning the goodness of God. You see, if you and I are going to be successful in our walk with Jesus as men and women of God, successful Christians, then we're going to have to be convinced. And I say that word, convinced, which means without a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God is good all of the time. That God is good all of the time, no matter what we feel, no matter what we think, no matter what we see, no matter what's going on around us, God is always good. Because we serve a good God. And I'm going to look with you first of all this morning that God is the true and only source of goodness. In the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 10, and in verse 17, Jesus is speaking. And he is uh, on a journey, and someone comes up to him, and listen to what the conversation is. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up, and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. And we live in a world where everyone goes around and, and thinks that their good deeds are going to get them into the kingdom of God. And thank God for people being good according to the best standards that they can come up with in this world. But the only way to get into the kingdom of God is through a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That is uh, the pathway into the kingdom of God. We cannot work our way into the kingdom of God just through good works. How many can say amen? Jesus says, why are you calling me good? There is no one good except for God alone. And so what Jesus was saying is that only God 
in his character and his nature is the absolute picture and sense of what good is all about. And we need to grasp that understanding. Because when the devil lies to us and gets us to a point, well, you know, you're good enough. You know, you, you've, you've been good and, you know, you, you've, been, you've been okay and you haven't murdered anyone and you haven't, you know, been stealing from, from anybody. And so that's good enough to get you into the kingdom of God. We need to realize that it's a lie from the enemy and that our lives are based upon not our goodness, but the goodness of God upon the love and the mercy and the grace of God's, uh, God in our lives. The original English word good comes from the word God, the Anglo-Saxon uh, times. It comes from the original definition of goodness, which meant godliness. So when someone was speaking about being good, in essence, they were saying you're being godly. Your character is being godlike. And that's what, what I think in this day and age we've lost in a sense of the definition of good, what good is. Because the world has kind of taken that word and has made a, a mishmash of, of it and have defined it in so many different ways. Psalms 100 verse 5 says, The Lord is good, and his love endures forever. See, that's the goodness, the godliness of God's uh, character and nature, that his love is there no matter what we go through, no matter where we are in life, what comes upon us, uh, that God is a good God. And that whatever we go through, God has uh, his best intentions for us, contrary to what Satan was speaking to Eve about in the garden. Webster defines good even as decent, respectable, moral, upright, virtuous, noble, worthy, and uh, wholesome. You see... We look around in, in our generations, and I was thinking about this, and for, for, I've been thinking about this for years. And, you know, people say old school, and use old school a lot. And that's OG, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, oh yeah, they're OG. And I, I, I thought about that, and it applies, obviously, they use it in the sense of, of different things in the world and so on. But I thought about it in relationship to the Word of God and how it, it, it almost has filtered into the, the, the kingdom of God that says, yeah, well, the dedication, the commitment levels that were, were uh, OG and old school, you know, those, those were the way it was in, in those days. The, the levels of, of dedication to God and the levels of commitment to God are, are kind of, you know, in the past. And, you know, we're living in a new day and age and a new generation of Christianity where it doesn't really require that commitment level and dedication level of serving the Lord. But what people don't realize is that when you begin to, to filter down and water down 
those principles of, of dedication, commitment, and, 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 and basically just selling out for Jesus your life. And, and that's all that really matters to my, you know, as, as Joshua says, for me and my family and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. When that begins, that idea and concept begins to be watered down, we start losing the concept and the deterioration of godliness. And remember, what godliness uh, translates into in, in the Anglos in, in now is goodness. And we see that in our society, how people have pulled away from God in a sense, godliness in a sense in so many areas of society. And it's caused many to turn their focus away from God and God's goodness and God's love. It's come to the point where now something makes you feel good for the moment, then it must be good because goodness, godliness has, has kind of lost its, its concept and now it's whatever makes me feel good. What harm can it do? You know, the, the adage, the old adage, the old school adage, if it feels good, do it. I don't know what they say nowadays, but in my time growing up, that's what it was. What harm can it do? No matter if it hurts someone or damages families, if it feels good, because that's the concept now of what good means, then just go ahead and do it. Christmas is around the corner. Shopping malls and shopping centers are going to be opened and, you know, they're going to be selling their goods and so on. And probably most of them are going to have Santa there. And um, kids are going to be flocking around and they're going to sit on Santa's lap. And Santa's going to ask them that famous question. Remember that question when you sat on Santa's lap when you were a kid? Have you been good? Or have you been naughty? Have you been bad? And little, little Jenny's going to look at Santa when he asks her that question. Oh, yes, Santa, I've been good. I only kicked my brother twice. And he's going to look at little Johnny and ask him, have you been good? Oh, yeah, I only stole my, from my mother's purse just once this year. And so, yes, aside from that, we've been good. See, too many times the concept of good for us is lost and is conditional. And we say, well, I'm good because I could have been worse. I'm not as bad as I could have been, or I'm good because some people are worse than I am. And so we start to measure goodness, and we start to look at our lives in, in, in that picture of what good is all about and lose sight of God being the source of goodness, being linked to godliness, to now where it's become whatever the world says and whatever I feel is good. The word good has a lot of meanings. I read this little illustration. It says, for example, if a man were to shoot his grandmother at a range of a 1,000 yards... I would call him a good shot, but not necessarily a good man. See, we need to realize that God is the only true source of goodness. 
And that is expressed through his son, Jesus Christ. And that as we link our lives to Jesus, as we allow God through his son, Jesus Christ, to be the center of our lives, then we will impact people's lives. We will begin to touch their lives, not because of this worldly goodness, but because of the true goodness that only comes from God. Anything that is defined as good can only be measured by what God calls good because he is the source. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. See, unlike Satan that produced deception and uh, that caused Eve and Adam to fall away from that goodness of God that he had prepared for them. God's goodness only produces and leaves people in a better condition than when he found them like you and me. Don't you thank God for his goodness this morning that we are better men and women, than when before we had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because of the goodness of God. Because we serve a good God, and that goodness uh, has saturated our lives. God is good by his nature. Look at Psalms 145 and verse 7. It says, they shall, pour forth the, pour, show, they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. You know, and when we worship, when we come to church and we praise God, we're thanking God because he is a good God because he's been good to us this past year. Yes, we may have gone through sorrow. We may have gone through hurt and pain, but yet God is a good God, and he can do no evil, can do no wrong, and we can't allow the enemy to rob away the goodness of God from our lives, the picture of what God has done for us. You see, the face of God's goodness is expressed in and through his character and his nature. I think about Moses in Exodus chapter 33. As he's praying and crying out to God, he wanted to know God. He wanted to see God's glory and to know his character. Listen to what it says there in chapter 33 in the book of Exodus, verse 18 and 19. And he said, please, show me your glory. And then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion and so here the Lord is speaking about his character and nature to Moses, and he's saying, look, at this is who I am. I am a good God, and my goodness is expressed. 
And uh, it is shown through who I am. It's expressed through my compassion or my kindness and my concern for you and for my people. Don't you thank God for his compassion this morning that he has upon our lives and our family like he was with Moses. That's how God expresses his goodness. His goodness is expressed by his grace expressed towards you and I. Grace. What is grace? Grace is giving your absolute best to someone when they deserve your absolute worst. You ever been there? That's what grace is. And God poured upon you and I because of his goodness, his grace, when we didn't deserve it. We deserved uh, the worst uh, that this world had to offer. But God intervened when we said, Jesus, come into my life. Uh, and he poured out his mercy, his grace upon us. Uh, and in spite of what we've done and what we were, he washed our sins away. Here we're able to come into his presence uh, and experience the goodness of God every single day. I see God's grace in the way he treated Adam and Eve, two people that broke the confidence and trust of God, that wounded him. And what did God do? Did he destroy them? Did he kill them? No. The Bible says uh, what he did was he gave them skins to cover themselves uh, and he watched over them uh, and he provided for them. Isn't God a good God this morning? The same thing he did for you and I and does for you and I. God is good all the time. Not just some of the time. Get that thinking out of your mind. God's goodness is also expressed through his long-suffering and patience towards you and I. Don't you thank God for that? Thank God for his patience with us. Thank God for his long-suffering in our lives. Praise God for that. We see that God's patience and long-suffering to his, the people of Israel through the prophets as he's speaking to them about his love even though they resisted even though they turned their backs on him he continued to raise up men to preach the word of God and to proclaim the love of God through the New Testament in the form of his son Jesus Christ which expresses God's patience and long suffering God is good to you and I and so God's character should be working through our lives also. His goodness is expressed through being kind. I preach a sermon on being kind. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. In Titus chapter 3, and in verse 4 and 5, it says, But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done or good things we had done, but because of his, what, mercy. 
You see, God's goodness is expressed through his nature, his character. And it's the face of all that we experience through his love. The validation of God's goodness. God validates and puts a stamp on the fact that he is a good God. You know, when you get something validated, it means that it's been proved. It means that it's, it's, it's been uh, uh, made, made right and perfect. It's valid. Unlike some licenses that may be in our pockets that are invalid, God's goodness is always valid. It never runs out. It's always on time. It's validated through the way he provides for us. It's proved through the way he meets our needs in Acts chapter 4. In verse 17, or Acts chapter 14, in verse 17, nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. God provides for us in every earthly manner. Can you say amen? It may not be to the extent that we want to be provided for, to the level that we want to be provided for, but God is always there to meet our needs, not necessarily to meet our wants. And sometimes this is where we start to doubt the goodness of God is because we get our needs uh, confused with our wants. And we have them turned around. God knows what we need. Just like he told the disciples, I take care of the trees and I take care of the grass and I take care of, of, of one bird that falls out of the tree. How much more would I not take care of you and provide for you? God validates his goodness through providing in our lives, and he also validates his goodness because he provides for every, every need of every person without uh, prejudice or preference. God is no respecter of persons. Do you believe that this morning? He does. I mean, here's where God's grace comes in. Think about it. Before you were saved, your needs were provided. Your needs were met. I know we thought we were doing it. I know we thought we were meeting our needs, that it was our smarts and it was our strength and our money, etc., that was providing for us because we didn't know any better. We didn't know that all that came from God and that God was there in all his grace. Listen to what God's word says, and I'll prove it to you. God is good even when our lives aren't. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is no respecter of persons. He prefers, if you're here this morning and you're not serving Jesus, 
that you would accept his son as your personal savior because the benefits of God's love uh, operating in your life and Jesus Christ uh, as your savior far outweighs uh, your lifestyle that you have right now. Because in the end, uh, as we had our guest, Dean Braxton, last week, speak to you and I about his experience in heaven, the blessing that comes through a relationship with the Son of God outweighs anything this world could ever give you. Eternity in the kingdom of God far outweighs uh, what this world uh, could ever promise you and uh, outweighs eternity in darkness and in hell away from Jesus Christ and God the Father. God's goodness is validated to you and I as Christians in Psalms 84 and verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk upright. Do you ever have the devil lie to you and say, God, how come, how come you haven't given me this yet? How come you haven't provided for me? You know my heart. You know my desires. You know what, what I need. What's wrong with you? I think we've all been there at one point in time. God says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Maybe the thing that you call good isn't good for you. Maybe the thing that we call good, that we want, that we say we need, God says, no, 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 that's not good for you at this time in your life. That's not going to help you. See, get the concept out of your mind that God isn't good. God is good all the time. No matter what we think, feel, or want, God is always good and will not withhold any good thing from us. In Psalm 31 and verse 19, as uh, our, our platform makes the way this morning, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You see, this morning, the goodness of God is good news. It is good news to those who are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, who don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one good, like God is, is his son Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. That's what makes the gospel good news what it is. It's the goodness of God and the good news of the gospel that people need to hear, that God has given to you and I to express to those around us. Jesus, the Son of God, he came into this world. He humbled himself so that he would become the sacrifice for our sinful and disobedient lives. And so in all of God's goodness and godliness, he allowed himself to be mocked, to be beaten and crucified so that we would be saved. That's the goodness 
and the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul writes and says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? God is so good this morning. We serve a good God. It's good news, and if you're here this morning and you're not serving Jesus Christ and accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, there is good news for you today. There is hope for you today. You know, today, November 27th, starts what's called Advent season. Four Sundays where hope, love, Peace and God's grace is preached. And this morning, the first Advent Sunday is hope. The hope of glory, the hope of our salvation this morning can be yours if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the goodness of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. Someone said, goodness is the only investment that never fails. How true that is, Jesus will never fail you. His goodness, His love, His mercy, kindness, and grace will always be there for you. So as we bow our hearts before the Lord, as uh, we contemplate this morning as we draw towards the end of the year, Christmas is almost here. Let's not concentrate on those things that went wrong and those things that have hurt and those things that we don't understand, but can we not concentrate as Christians, first of all, on the goodness of God and the things that He has provided for us, salvation, the promise of heaven. And for those who are here not serving Jesus, concentrate this morning not on the things that went wrong, but now on the things that God has up ahead for you as you accept Him in your life. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 4, The disciples are asking Jesus, whom shall they say he is to people? And Jesus answered them, and this is what he said, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. This morning, won't you allow the good news of Jesus Christ that has been preached to you, the goodness of God, break the spirit of fear and doubt and unbelief. 
If you're here this morning and you want Jesus in your life, ask him to come into your life and accept him as your Lord and Savior. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed,